There are few things on earth that generate more conversation than wine. For many, the thirst for wine knowledge becomes an obsession, and it's hard to imagine that anyone has fully ingested all there is to know about the world's most revered beverage. We all know people who are passionate about sharing that knowledge and their opinions about wine. But we find an awful lot of the conversations about wine pretty hard to swallow. Welcome to Grape Encounters. Your host, David Wilson, his guests, and the rest of us on the team are here to show you a great time. How to have more fun with your wine. Where to enjoy wine the most. How to immerse yourself into a wine lifestyle that isn't simply about wine. So let's dive into this week's edition of Grape Encounters. Oh, you'll learn plenty, but hopefully it will be knowledge that you can really use. Not like that Latin class you took in high school. Here's your wine captain, David Wilson. And it is time for your weekly Grape Encounter. And I am here back in the studio. I have just come back from the Oregon Wine Experience. And I must tell you, it was a complete and total blast. Now, I'm not going to talk about it today. I decided that uh, I need to push it back just a week. It's already over, so it's not going to make much difference. But I'm going to give you some introduction to some of the people that were there. It was just like so much fun. But, of course, the neighbor to the south of Oregon is the state of California. And the reason that we're going to just push this last weekend story back is because there's a big story in California that happens this time of year every year. It's what's called California Wine Month. And I want to be sure to give you the scoop on it. And even if you can't come out to California, there's a lot of advice and information that we're going to give you today so that you can really have a great time with your wine life, no matter what state you are in. Now, speaking of states that we are in, there is another story that I want to cover. And my guest that I'm going to have on today knows an awful lot about this, as well as California Wine Month. And it has to do with global warming. You know, we keep talking about global warming and saying what's going to happen likely in the future. But the reality is it's impacting us right now. And there's no better place to see that impact than in the wine industry. It's on us. It is upon us. And we really have to pay attention to this. And I want you to be completely informed where that subject is concerned. So we're going to get to the bad news first. And I want to now bring on the line one of my absolute favorite guests of all time. She puts a smile on my face every time she's on the show with me. It's Allison Jordan of the Wine Institute. She's the executive director of the California Sustainable Wine Growing Alliance, Vice President Environmental Affairs for the Wine Institute. She even has a a restaurant as well. And Allison, welcome to the show. Thanks so much, David. It's so great to be with you. It's always fun to have you on. And you know what? I was thinking about when the last time was that you and I were together. And I think it was up in Sacramento at Mulvaney's. That's right. We were just releasing Wine Country Table, a new book that was published by Rizzoli, New York, and is still available. And and it's a really great culinary tour of the state with great tips on pairing food and wine. I have shared that book with a number of people, and I've cooked some of the recipes as well. And plus, 
I had some of the food that was prepared there at Mulvaney's. Oh my gosh. The, the, so delicious. Yeah. Yes. And, and what's really cool about it is it puts food in perspective because it's not just like a cookbook. It incorporates ingredients from different areas and it explains everything you want to know about that area and even profiles wine growers and other people in that area that are you know, a big part of the sustainability movement. Anyway, it's just a, it's a work of art. It really is. Well, thank you. All right. But I think it was probably a month ago that I was reading in the trades, as I always do, you know, the latest news of the day. And one particular morning, there must have been about five different stories pertaining to global warming. And how it impacts and likely will impact even more the wine industry. And some of the things that I read were really shocking to me. And, you know, it's definitely been on my radar. And I try not to get political, but I don't really think this is a political issue anymore, although some people want to make it that. But it's just incredible what's actually happening. And you've got the wine grape growers out there. You know, some of them that have been doing it for decades and decades, and they're very tuned into what a change by a degree or two can do to the end product that they're creating. So anyway, I want to start with one of the shocking stories, and it's about Cabernet Sauvignons in the Napa Valley and the concern that the winemakers have there about what they're going to do in the immediate future because the effects of global warming are already upon them. Thoughts? Well, I think that the industry is dealing with climate change in really two key ways. One is mitigation, trying to be part of the solution. And then the second part that you're talking about is adaptation. And a lot of those decisions are being made at literally at the vineyard level. They're looking at what grows well there, that changes over time, and they're making decisions based on what's best for their company. But there also have been studies that show that some of the information that is reported on some of these studies are more high level and not as granular as down at the vineyard level. And you just have to think of the fact that we have 139 different AVAs. They're all different soil, climate, weather patterns. And so I don't think it's easy to say there's just one change that's going to happen. I think it will be different all over the state. And so what farmers are really good at and what vintners and growers have been doing for generations is really adapting to that change. And like wine growers around the world, California vineyards and wineries are responding to climate and weather on a daily basis. So it's part of what we do. But we are doing all kinds of other things to better understand issues around climate change, ways that wineries and vineyards can both adapt and, again, be part of the solution by sequestering carbon or by reducing their greenhouse gas emissions. And I understand that and I appreciate that. And I don't think there's any type of business that is more conscientious when it comes to carbon footprints than the wine industry. But it's going to take more than the wine industry to solve this problem because those who are growing grapes and making wine are not the biggest culprits, that's for sure. But tell me this, you know, there there have been a number of really major symposiums that have been going on all over the world when it comes to the impact of climate change on winemaking. What are you hearing out there? I mean, are we at a, a point where there's some real panic going on? What is the level of fear that you're seeing? I mean, you're more immersed in it than almost anybody else. You know, this is where I think, again, to be honest, that most people I think are being pretty rational about it and thinking about 
the long term and they're already strategizing about, I mean, so many things go into a decision about a vineyard because it's a long-term proposition. It's not an annual crop that you can just make a decision and plant something else next year. So I do think there's some pilots that you're hearing or research going on at the vineyard level where they're trying to figure out what might be the next varietal that will do well there, but also be popular with wine consumers all over the world. And so there are those types of decisions being made. There are decisions about where they want to purchase vineyards, but the reality is we have only a limit amount of acreage in California. And so there's all kinds of things that people can do on the ground. Some of the symposium that I've been attending have really gone back really decades. I think it was even when I first started with Wine Institute, we partnered with UC Davis to bring together the researchers to try to figure out um, what was going on with climate change and what types of impacts the industry might be seeing. And then we partnered on a number of different tools, like a life cycle assessment and greenhouse gas footprinting tools for both vineyards and wineries. So there's been this long-term effort industry-wide. And then you, of course, are familiar with our Sustainable Wine Growing Program and Certified California Sustainable. And really, there are so many different aspects of sustainability that relate to climate change. So whether you're talking about crop protection and soil management or energy and water use efficiency, air quality, even things that humans are doing. So what are our driving patterns and distribution patterns? And are we being good neighbors on the neighbor and community front? And so many other topics that we address that are a part of it. All right, we're going to get into it a little bit deeper. we got to take a break in just a moment. I do want to tell you that today's edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine and More. And, you know, I have a whole bunch of friends who are ex-Brussels sprout haters. I say ex because I'm extremely confident in my Brussels sprout recipes and I relish every opportunity to make converts out of Brussels sprout bashers. I get the same way about wine varietals. Somebody will say, I can't stand Merlot or ABC, anything but Chardonnay. So in the same way I love to share my BS, that is Brussels sprouts, I love turning people on to wines they only thought they didn't like. That's one of the truly great things about Total Wine and More. You can walk down a seemingly endless aisle of nothing but Merlots or Cabernets, and the range and flavors represented there is so diverse, I'd bet the farm, if I had one, that there's a lot to love on those shelves. Now, many Chardonnays often get skipped over simply because the oaky, buttery ones are completely different than the ones made in stainless steel tanks. And Total Wine & More offers such endless diversity, there's a very good chance you'll find yourself going crazy for a wine that finally got the opportunity to show off all of its personalities. With 8,000 wines wrangled by a formidable team of super-friendly wine enthusiasts who really do their homework, Total Wine & More can show you what you've been missing out on. Learn more at TotalWine.com. David will be back with more Grape Encounters in a couple of minutes, which means there simply isn't enough time for him to enjoy more than a sip or two of one of his faves. Oh, the sacrifices we make in the broadcasting business. The Oregon Wine Experience's Founders Barrel Auction on Friday, August 23rd is an afternoon of elegance. Sample wine futures from Authentique Wine Cellars, Hewitt Cellars, Laurel Ridge Winery, Left Coast Estate, Russell Prayer Rock Vineyards, Stone Griffin Vineyard, Vulcan Cellars, plus many more. The action takes off as you bid on the opportunity to win a case or the whole barrel of Oregon's finest wines. Go to TheOregonWineExperience.com to purchase tickets. The Oregon Wine Experience, it's everything Oregon. In Greek mythology, we learn the mysterious connection between walnuts and wine. 
When Dionysus, the god of wine, fell in love with Princess Caria of Laconia, her sisters tried to prevent the romance, so Dionysus turned them into rocks. He also turned his beloved Caria into a walnut tree. She was, after all, a hard nut to crack. At mmorganics.com in Paso Robles, California, walnuts and wine is the ultimate love story. You'll flip over their 100% organic port-style dessert wines and organic heirloom walnut products, including sprouted snacking walnuts in five awesome flavors, irresistible raw organic walnut butter, free trade chocolate-covered walnuts, and for bakers, MM Organics produces 100% gluten-free walnut flour, estate walnut oil, and of course, their crazy delicious raw walnuts. Get all their products online at mmorganics.com. That's mmorganics.com. Nestled right in between two world-class wine countries, Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the perfect gateway to nearly endless wine country adventures. Cozy and oh-so-friendly, make historic Atascadero home base for adventures to hundreds of surrounding wineries, the nearby Pacific, and magical Hearst Castle, plus an amazing array of attractions from ziplining to delectable dining. Discover all that affordable Atascadero has to offer at visitatascadero.com. Welcome back to Grape Encounters Radio, broadcasting from our Central Coast Wine Country studio in idyllic Atascadero, California. Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine & More, America's largest independent retailer of fine wine. They carry more than 8,000 different wines from every wine-producing region in the world and offer an equally monumental selection of beer and spirits. Here's David. This edition of Grape Encounters is brought to you by Total Wine and More. I can't think of any place better to start your late summer or early fall adventures than Total Wine and More. Whether you're hosting a backyard barbecue or just hanging out on the patio soaking up the sun, the best summer and fall experiences begin at Total Wine and More. Now back to Grape Encounters Radio. And we're talking about, I think, a very unpleasant subject, which is the impact of global warming on the wine industry. But winemakers, grape growers are very clever folks, and they're doing an awful lot to adapt right now. We're talking about that now with Allison Jordan, she is the executive director of the California Sustainable Wine Growing Alliance and vice president environmental affairs at the Wine Institute. And Allison, a master's in public policy from University of California, Berkeley. That's right. That's I didn't know. Way that. back in 2004, I think was my graduation. Man, I tell you so. what, and, and you and your husband have a restaurant and gosh, you were a, a school teacher, right? As well? I taught, I taught English in Japan for a year after college, <laughs> yes. But anyway, we digress. I did a story, Allison, I'm going to say like about three years ago with a scientist who was working on developing grape varietals that could be planted in, you know, the upper states of the United States, the colder states near the Canadian border that would not only be resilient to cold, but would take advantage of the fact that temperatures are changing. I, I know that's a big topic of discussion right now and not just discussion, but there's a lot of action going on there. It seems to me like a lot of the really serious and pro active, I should say, uh, grape growers in places like the Napa Valley are, are looking at, for instance, moving grapes 
to higher ground where it might be a little cooler. How active are the grape growers, winemakers when it comes to, you know, really actually taking action? So I think on some of those things like land purchases, again, it's not just a one-size-fits-all. And I have heard some wineries say that that's why they're making those decisions is because they foresee climate change. But I also hear just as many really talking about how they want to diversify their portfolio. They want to have grapes that maybe are varietals that don't grow as well as in the regions where they currently are. Or, of course, we know the cost of land in certain wine regions is just escalated so much that the cost of land and all of the other inputs for farming are much better in some other regions. So I think, as with anything, there's a multitude of reasons why people are doing things. They may end up benefiting as the climate changes. But as I mentioned, there's such diversity in California in terms of climate and soils and regions and how climate change will impact all of those areas differently. So again, it's hard to have a blanket response to any of these questions. I think it's really quite complex. But I do notice that there are other places outside of California and also cooler areas of California that are actually looking at this as being a possible cash cow for them in that there there are places that can grow certain types of grapes, but the weather isn't quite right. And if you turn up the thermostat about you know, another three degrees, it becomes perfect for them. So it's not all bad news for everybody. That's for sure. Well, when you see sometimes in European countries where they have much more stringent regulations in terms of what varietals can grow where and their their use of water and other things that really are prescriptive, that's really sometimes more difficult for them to adapt. And so I think that's an advantage for California and some of the New World regions where we can actually experiment and pilot and try things. And yes, there are probably some wine regions that will be developed that we don't even know about yet. We certainly see that across the states now, but also in very warm and dry regions. So I don't think it's only the cool places. We're seeing wine growers in Arizona and wine is now being made in all 50 states. So I think there's also the popularity of wine, which is fantastic. Of course, California still makes about 81% of all wine made in the United States. So we're the fourth largest wine producer in the world, but it's certainly of interest all across the U.S. You know, you you actually raised a very interesting point, which I hadn't really given much thought, and that is how this impacts European grape growers, because they've got some rules that are really stringent. And if they're forced to to continue to operate under those restrictions, they could be in for real problems in the future. I'd almost have to think that they're going to have to adapt and, you know, maybe change the regulations, because if you do see a, a rise in temperature of just a couple of degrees, then you may have to look at relocating certain varietals and things like that. So uh, I guess we are in a much better position here in the United States and in California. Yeah, I feel like there's the combination of California is one of the most stringent places in terms of environmental regulations in the world. And so we already have a lot of different policies in place. There's the Global Warming Solutions Act back in 2006 that was adopted, which is about reducing greenhouse gas emissions. But we also have, through the Department of Food and Agriculture, the Healthy Soils Initiative that is all about encouraging practices and actually providing incentives for practices that build and maintain healthy soil, things like cover crops or composting. So we have some of those really unique things about California already being in the forefront. And then on top of that, we have this dedication to sustainability. And again, with so many areas that have that comprehensive approach that really also relate to climate change, like water, air, energy, soil, I do think we're in a good position in terms of what we're already focusing on, because those all help with mitigation and 
also adaptation, but we also have those partnerships with research institutions and with other wine regions. And there's a National Grape Research Alliance that's working on issues related to climate change and really trying to get research that that really benefits the entire U.S. wine industry. So all kinds of things happening that I think while, yes, I think climate change is such a serious topic, and as a society, we really need to be addressing it, I do feel like our industry is well positioned to be a part of the solution. Always the optimist, Allison. <laughs> what else can you do? <laughs> what else can you do? Drink wine. Uh, you know, just, just one final thought on this. Is, is the Wine Institute conducting any projects or seminars or symposiums to address climate change issues right now? I mean, is that very much on the plate of the things that you're doing? It is. It's very much at the forefront of our conversations, and we're working with our environmental committee for Wine Institute and with the California Sustainable Wine Growing Alliance with all of our partners trying to come up with ways that we can help address these issues. Just recently, we actually developed metrics for greenhouse gases quite some time ago, but our certification program was updated in 2017, and now wineries have to be measuring their carbon footprint, and then vineyards have to be also managing their energy water and applied nitrogen, all things that are tied to your greenhouse gas footprint. So there are things that we're doing on the ground now, things like glass. So now we're seeing a lot of light weighting and a lot of alternative packaging and then distribution, of course, for any manufactured goods, that's an issue. And so we see a lot of our distributors and trucks and things going to biofuels. So I think there's some trends on the horizon that will benefit all manufacturers of products, but certainly farmers and winemakers. All right, you're making me dizzy. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I, I, I asked the question, but man, I guess you guys are all over it. All right, we're going to be back with more Grape Encounters and my very special guest, Allison Jordan, the uh, Vice President of Environmental Affairs for the Wine Institute and Executive Director of the California Sustainable Wine Growing Alliance. We'll be back with more Grape Encounters, and we're going to talk about the fun stuff next when we return. We've got to take a breather for a minute or two. Don't go away. Remember, if we don't let the wine breathe... It's impossible for the show to be done in good taste. Summertime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine & More. If you're topping off your burger with grilled onions and blue cheese, pair your work of art with a spicy Malbec. Nothing beats a buttery Chardonnay with grilled corn on the cob. I'm ready to find you the perfect bottle of white for your next get-together. Pack up the cooler for this weekend. We've got canned wine and beer ready to throw on ice. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this summer at Total Wine and More. Cheers! I want to take this opportunity to tell you about the wines of Peak Ranch. I recently discovered these truly amazing wines that are raking in top honors from the wine press. What I didn't initially realize is that I had a very strong connection to these perfectly crafted Pinots, Syrahs, Chardonnays, and more. Remarkably, these wines are produced by my very best friend from the first grade, John Wagner. Now, I have to say that John has always one-upped me in almost everything he does, and these extraordinary wines are no exception. Made from grapes grown on one of California's most historic Central Coast properties, there is no other word to describe them than perfect. Peak Ranch is doing everything right. Amazing wines that will absolutely astound you. Buy them online at peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E ranch.com. 
Savor Oregon's finest wines at the Oregon Wine Experience's Grand Tasting on Sunday, August 25th. Work your way through the tasting tables and enjoy an array of delicious culinary bites. Don't miss this special opportunity to sample wines from all corners of Oregon in one unique location. The wine pours start at 2 p.m. Plan your experience today. Go to theoregonwineexperience.com to purchase tickets. The Oregon Wine Experience, it's everything Oregon. Welcome back to Grape Encounters, where we believe there's no way to fake a great wine, and where we never fake our disdain for the really bad ones. Today's edition of Grape Encounters Radio is brought to you by Total Wine & More. Now, whether you're looking for convenient quality wines in cans or something super special for a dinner under the summer stars with friends, I encourage you to make Total Wine & More your first stop on your way to late summer fun. Nobody, and I mean nobody, offers the selection of terrific wines for virtually any summer occasion than Total Wine & More. But don't take my word for it. Check out what they're all about at TotalWine.com. Now we are going to transition from the very unpleasant topic of global warming to the very pleasant topic of how to have a whole lot of fun when it comes to wine and go way beyond just what's in the bottle. Because if there's one thing that I can say has been the biggest trend in the wine industry, it's to do in in a sort of way what Las Vegas did, which was to you know not be just focused on one thing. In the case of Vegas, it was gambling, but, you know, to bring all kinds of other entertainment into the mix. So it's not just about drinking wine, but it's all of the fun lifestyle things that surround it and even uh, making it a family affair. So the person who is probably most knowledgeable about something called California Wine Month, which is what takes place in the month of September, is my guest, Allison Jordan, and she's the executive director of the California Sustainable Wine Growing Alliance and VP of Environmental Affairs at the Wine Institute. Uh, This is, I think, your favorite month, Allison. Am I wrong? (laughs) Of course it is. Any month that's named California Wine Month is my favorite, and that's September. It's playtime, right? (laughs) It is. How long long have they been doing a California Wine Month? I I know you've been with with the Wine Institute, I think, for about 14 years. And um, was it going on then? I think it started in 2006, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. 2006 or 7. So a a couple of years after you came on board. Yes. All right. So, you know, I've been reporting on this with you for, gosh, about a decade now, and I have watched this grow and grow and grow and grow, and it's just amazing the things that you can do throughout the state. But but again, I, I don't want to just make it about California because, you know, we're, we're going into harvest season now, and, and in fact, there are people that have already started harvesting, and that means that, there, that this is really one of the most exciting times to get out to any wine country, wherever you might be, and I can assure you that there are just the coolest activities going on all over the country. We are at ground zero when it comes to wine fun. September and October, to me, are the the really best months. But there's something that I was really excited to see, and it is a a focus on grape stomps. 
And I, I didn't realize there were that many going on. But I tell you what, if you want to have fun, go find a place and stomp some grapes. It's very therapeutic and it's good for your feet, too. You want to touch on this, Allison? Sure. I guess it's kind of like a pedicure. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. But, yeah, California, we have over 100 special tastings, grape stomps, festivals, concerts, wine and food offerings all over the state. And it's also really evident that wine regions across the U.S. are also amazing at hospitality and have all kinds of fun activities to experience, whether it's stomping your feet in the grapes or stomping your feet to music. There's usually something going on nearby. A couple of years ago, there was an attempt, actually it was a successful attempt, to set the world record for largest grape stomp. And it, it happened back east in the, I can't remember the name of the town now, but it was the hometown of Lucille Ball. And, you know, of course, every time people think of Grape Stomp, they think of that iconic scene on The Lucy Show. You may not know anything about Lucy, but I tell you what, everybody knows that scene. It's probably one of the most famous scenes in television history. But anyway, they, they closed down an entire street and they made it a giant stomping arena. And there were thousands of people in there stomping. And the record had been held by folks in Spain, but the Americans beat them. How about that? <laughs> That's pretty awesome. But the- well, I was just looking at our list of activities, and there's a couple coming up. So even if you can make plans to come as late as the end of September to visit, or if you're in California, I see there's one on September 7th, which is the 23rd annual Grape Stomp Festival in Julian, California. No, really? There's Grape really? Stomp with local wineries, breweries, cideries, and you're able to sample some great music and dancing as well. Are, are there, wait, wait a second. Are there, there are there wineries in Julian? I don't think there are. Are there? You know, I'm not sure if it's just a gathering place. I haven't yeah, seen much, that particular much. one. But I know there's one in Ramona as well, which, of course, is a wine region far in Southern California. And um, they have one that's uh, also a grape stomp competition where you can try local wines and do face painting. So it's a family-friendly event with over 40 artisans and merchants. So that sounds really fun. And then later in the month, I just saw one in Valley of the Moon, which is a vintage festival, and it has both adult and youth grape stomps. So going back to Julian, I think Julian, if I'm not mistaken, is known for apple pie. I think I've got that right. Interesting. Yeah. And anyway, it's up in the hills near San Diego. And it's, it's, you know, actually now I'm looking this up here as we're talking, and there's something called Mangini. I think it's Mangini Winery. I've never heard of it, but it is in Julian. So, okay. uh, Well, what do you know? What do you know about that? And there must be because they talk about local wineries and breweries and Man, talk about off my radar. But that's a place that's really way out there. It's crazy. But I was like reading, for instance, there's one, I believe it's going on at Ficklin. And, you know, they have these barbecues. And then in this particular one, you're tasting port, you're stomping grapes, you're learning all about wine from the people who run the winery. And all of these stomps, you know, seem to include food and dancing and bon and staining your pants to the point where you can never wear them again. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. And actually, you bring up a great point. So many of these offerings really also give you a chance to learn about the winemaking process. So if you're really someone who likes to know how things are made, it's a really fun chance to get out there during harvest when you can see grapes coming into the winery quite literally 
The stomping part, of course, is just for fun. <laughs> it's not really how grapes are pressed these days, but probably not meeting the food safety <laughs> requirements. But anyways, it's, well, it's just a great way to really learn about what Well, actually, I'm going to tell you that from what I understand, because of the alcohol in wine, you can stomp grapes with your bare feet, and it, it's, it's not a problem. But it reminds me, though, of something that I used to rant about a lot several years ago. You know, Fergie from uh, the Black Eyed Peas? Yeah. You know, she's to me, she's one of the, the she's one of the sexiest people I've ever seen. But she, you know, I've seen her in concert a bunch of times. And she and her father have a, a winery in Solvang called Ferguson Crest. So on their website, I don't know if it's still there, there's this picture of Fergie and she's stomping grapes, right? Well, <laughs> but, but then I, I look at it and I go, she's wearing, you know, hip waders. What the heck? Do you realize how many people, guys like me, would just, you know, clamor for those wines if they were stomped by Fergie's bare feet. I know <laughs> that, that could be a selling Does that sound that, that doesn't sound unwholesome, does it? I, I don't think so. It's just you're doing it the old world way. <laughs> There's a story about a, a winery. I'm really digressing here, but a winery several years ago where the very handsome winemaker after hours let some college co-eds swim in the open top fermenter. Wow. Yeah. You're showing the dark underbelly. It, it, I don't it, think this happened very often. It caused, actually, it caused quite a stir from what yeah, I understand. A, oh, ha, ha. Right. Oh, hey, that, I didn't mean it as a joke that it caused quite a stir, but you know, now that I think about that, that was pretty funny. Okay. <laughs> hey, listen, we're, we got a lot more to talk about uh, some of the other activities. So we're going to dive into that. We're going to take it down into the home stretch with Allison Jordan from the Wine Institute. Are you going to stomp grapes, Allison? I need to. I haven't yet. Have you never done it? I've never done it. I need to pick one of these and just oh, do you it. Gotta, you got you to make this the year that you do it. I think I do. I think September 27th and 29th, I'm going to the Valley of the Moon. Okay. I might even meet you there and, <laughs> and we can get some listeners to come down. We'll all stomp together. That'd be fun. All right. Okay. We're going to be back with more Grape Encounters and Allison Jordan right after this. You know, when we distinguish one wine from another, the first place most people start is color. You know, red, white, rosé, even orange. From there, we turn to the varietal to describe our wines, and then on to country, region, appellation, and sub-appellation. But what most wine consumers don't talk about all that much is the manner in which the grapes are grown, or the method used to produce the wine. Yet even though these things may not be top of mind, they can make a huge difference when it comes to the finished product. And the more you learn about such things, the more eager you'll be to explore. That in and of itself is a darn good reason to spend some quality time in a Total Wine & More store. There are countless ways to grow grapes and make wines, and with 8,000 wines on their shelves, the variations that you'll find at your Total Wine & More store will wow you big time. The best part is, navigating all those choices is easy peasy. Thanks to the incredible training members of the Total Wine & More staff receive. So rather than being overwhelmed by the choices in front of you, you'll be overwhelmed by just how easy it is to find something that's absolutely perfect for you and your guests. For a Total Wine & More store near you, or to make purchases online, surf your way to TotalWine.com. Sometimes drinking wine makes you just want to curl up in a comfy chair and dream about puppy dogs, faraway places, and other happy thoughts. Or you can just enjoy that cuvee in your glass and lose yourself in the conversation on Grape Encounters Radio. Summer. 
summertime tips and fun facts from Paul, Kristen, and Dexter at Total Wine More. Nothing beats beers and burgers. And with so many to choose from, we've got the perfect cold one waiting for you. Serving up salads at your cookout this weekend? Add a dry rosé to the table for a perfect pairing. When I'm the barbecue grill master, I've got to have a cold lager in my hand. Hey, grab me another. Whether you're hosting or just bringing the wine, we'd love to share our always low prices and ridiculous selection this summer at Total Wine More. Cheers. Nestled right in between two world-class wine countries, Paso Robles and San Luis Obispo, the warm and inviting city of Atascadero is the perfect gateway to nearly endless wine country adventures. Cozy and oh-so-friendly, make historic Atascadero home base for adventures to hundreds of surrounding wineries, the nearby Pacific, and magical Hearst Castle, plus an amazing array of attractions from ziplining to delectable dining. Discover all that affordable Atascadero has to offer at visitatascadero.com. I want to take this opportunity to tell you about the wines of Peak Ranch. I recently discovered these truly amazing wines that are raking in top honors from the wine press. What I didn't initially realize is that I had a very strong connection to these perfectly crafted Pinots, Syrahs, Chardonnays, and more. Remarkably, these wines are produced by my very best friend from the first grade, John Wagner. Now, I have to say that John has always one-upped me in almost everything he does, and these extraordinary wines are no exception. Made from grapes grown on one of California's most historic Central Coast properties, there is no other word to describe them than perfect. Peak Ranch is doing everything right. Amazing wines that will absolutely astound you. Buy them online at peakranch.com. That's P-E-A-K-E ranch.com. People often ask, why hasn't someone tarred and feathered Grape Encounters host David Wilson for breaking so many of the old rules? Simple. No one likes the old rules. And we're back with Grape Encounters Radio, brought to you by Total Wine and More. They are your Total Wine store. So uh, get yourself down to your Total Wine store or just go online to TotalWine.com. We're talking about California Wine Month, and I have Allison Jordan on. And Allison, you play favorites with California. You realize that, right? Of course I do. I work for the California wine industry, and it's such a great industry. I want to support it in any way I can. Yeah, but these activities that go on, people come from literally all parts of the world to take part. We've had 24 million visitors annually that visit California wine regions. Isn't that amazing? 24 million? Yes. Okay, well, so there there are so many events that go on. I I want you to just kind of take us on a really quick tour of things that we might like to do, and again... I'm going to say to folks, if if you can't get to California, you know, check out the nearest wine region to you because there's lots of fun stuff going on. And you know what? We're simpatico with other wine regions throughout the country, right? Absolutely. We're all in this together. And by the way, I guess if you want all the skinny on this, you can go to discovercaliforniawines.com. That's right. And already we have over 100 special tastings, grape stomps, festivals, concerts, food offerings, all kinds of things happening around the state. And we'll add them as we get them in. So it's a great website to check out, Discover California. CaliforniaWines.com. How do you assimilate all this stuff? There's so many things that are going on. I can't even think of a winery that doesn't do something during harvest season. That's true. It really is such a beautiful time of year, weather-wise, and again, so much activity with harvest going on. 
So there's so much going on, really, even beyond what's captured here. If you have a favorite winery, I would just look to see what's happening this month because it's inevitable that they'll be doing something. But we ask our members and our regional association partners and people from all over the state to fill us in on what's happening. And so we compile that so that we can really celebrate Discover California Wine and also California Wine Month. And I think one of the things to stress here is that, you know, first of all, California is a huge state. I mean, just in terms of land mass, it's absolutely immense. But you can't go to practically any part of the state and not find people that are making wine. It's just amazing how many regions we have in the state. And and literally, you can travel from one end of the state vertically up to the Oregon border, and you're going to find wine almost every inch of the way. So events like Oktoberfest in Munich got nothing on us. That's right. And actually, I think grapes are now grown in a vast majority of our counties across the state. So as you say, it's north to south, east to west. There's something near you if you're in the region. How many varietals do you think that we grow in California? You must know that. I'll bet you do. Yeah, there's 139 AVAs and there's over 100 varietals. Over 100 varietals. Yeah, and AVA stands for American Viticultural Areas. So there are special designated areas that have unique climate and soil and all of those things that really impact the wine grape quality and the wine quality. So that's really exceptional. And then over 100 varietals as well. Man, that's amazing. All right. Anything Thing that you want to, you know, kind of highlight? I mean, there are so many we couldn't possibly go through the list, but anything sure. that really pops up? I can up start with the North Coast. One of the events that I hear so much about and another one that I really need to make it up there sometime is September 6th through 7th. It's called Wine Song Weekend. and It's in Mendocino County and it's a weekend celebration with silent and live auctions, great right. wines, a special tribute to Pinot Noir, one of my favorite varietals. I'm a wine song expert because for the past couple of years we were a sponsor of Wine Song. And I remember that. And it's yeah. in the M- Mendocino Botanical Gardens. And oh my gosh, it is such a stunning event. We weren't able to do it this year because we were, you know, doing the event up in Oregon and it was just a little too much to do both of them. But we're big supporters of Wine Song. And it's just the most beautiful setting that you can possibly imagine. Great food, great wines. And especially uh, if you are a Pinot lover, that's one event you definitely want to go to. All right, what else you got? So if we head east from San Francisco, the Livermore Valley has their Harvest Wine Celebration September 1st. And it, again, features wineries all throughout the region. So you get to sample wines from not just one place, but really get a sense of the region as a whole. And they basically hold it at wineries throughout the region. And at each location, guests experience wine-focused activities along with arts, crafts, music. So again, something super fun and, and a lot of different activities happening around it. Um, and then just south in Capitola, there's the annual Capitola Art and Wine Festival, September 14th through 15th. And that really focuses on art and wine and music and food. And Capitola Village is just an adorable little town overlooking the Monterey Bay. Um, yeah. In the Central Coast, something that you could check out fairly easily, I think, is the Taste of the Town in Santa Barbara yeah. at the Riviera Park Gardens. And it's really a chance to, again, sample lots of Santa Barbara wines and their Epicurean adventure. And they have breweries and restaurants and chefs and proceeds benefit Arthritis Foundation. Something else about the California wine industry is just how generous they are, contributing to you know so many different auctions, but also just day-to-day wineries donating wine for raising funds for non profits and giving back to the community. Okay. And I did want to mention one. It's happening this weekend in Santa Ynez, which is, you know, just north of Santa Barbara at Ganey Vineyard, which by the way, they make great wines. They're doing something called Pinot and Pups. Get oh, that. Fun. And you know what, you know what they're doing? 
doing is so they you can bring your dog and they're going to have trainers on site from uh, this dog training business and the proceeds 25% are going to go toward helping dogs and so that's going to be fun. That sounds amazing. Yeah, by the way, so many wineries are dog friendly these days and I got a little pup, Henry. He is so cute. He loves to go to wineries, but he doesn't drink. <laughs> I've heard of some wineries offering different flavored, great flavored water to the dogs, so you never know what you'll find. Well, you know, and our friend Jean-Charles Boisset, they have a mini winery dedicated to dogs there, okay? That's great. <laughs> Who doesn't love dogs? All right, Alice and Jordan, I sure appreciate it. I know you got to run, girl, but you've got better things to do than spend the whole day talking to me. Appreciate you coming on. We talked about the not-so-fun stuff, and now we are ending with the fun stuff, and I thank you very, very much for giving us the good, the bad, and the ugly, but mostly the I good. I appreciate the chance to talk with you. Thank you so much for having me. All right. That's going to do it for Grape Encounters today. We'll be uh, recapping our trip to Oregon next week, and we've got lots of surprises down the road. In fact, a week after that, we're going to be talking to Jean-Charles Boisset about all the really cool stuff that he's doing. Today's installment of Grape Encounters Radio was brought to you by the wine experts at Total Wine & More. It would take you a lifetime to explore all the wine regions on the planet, which would certainly be a lot of fun, but not very likely. The next best thing is spending some quality time at Total Wine & More more, where you'll find a mind-boggling selection of more than 8,000 wines from every corner of the planet. Explore the entire world of wine at Total Wine and More. Well, this episode of Grape Encounters is in the bag. It's hard to imagine you haven't missed some episodes, so why not hunt them down at GrapeEncounters.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and other podcast sites. Grape Encounter Studios are located in beautiful Atascadero, California. That's Central Coast wine country, baby. Come visit us. But be warned, you won't want to leave. That's okay, we have a spare bedroom. But it's 55 degrees and full of old bottles. Music